you're listening to Season 2 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, CeCe Broadus. Belmont Stakes Day is just two days away. I'm CC Broadus. Welcome to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Alan Schneider. How are you doing, Alan? Hey, uh, what's up, CC? What episode is? It? I know we're on season two. You told me we're on season two. I don't think we leave any. This is episode. We leave any cliffhangers? Did we leave any cliffhangers from last there season? There were no. There were no cliffhangers. The only cliffhangers that Brandon's coming back or not. Yeah, that's a good. That's like who shot Jr. To be honest with you, but episode what fifty eight? Is that what you said? This is 58? episode fifty eight. Yes. My God. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Where does the time go? Absolutely. Well, to celebrate episode fifty eight, we decided to bring some uh, knowledge power onto the podcast, and uh, we'll just go on and introduce her now. Caitlin Free is going to join us. Caitlin, how are you doing? I am so good. So great to be back with you guys. I'm super excited and I'm glad you wanted me to come on for this special occasion. Now, Caitlin, uh, I think uh, if you keep coming on the podcast, we're going to have to give you a nickname. Uh, it's not something you get to choose, though. Oh, <laughs> no, we, we get to choose it for you. I'm, I'm thinking uh, maybe something like sugar. <laughs> oh, you can call me whatever you want. Caitlin, sugar, <laughs> Caitlin, sugar free. Oh, I like God, it. I just now got that. You say I have stupid puns. <laughs> yeah. I used, I used to work with a lady that would call me sugar. I mean, you, uh, it felt awful. I just felt, I want to take a shower every, every time she, she called me that. <laughs> so, well, that's not, was she older? Was she was she a, a MILF, a GILF? What was yeah, she? No, she was well, she was older than me, but it was still, it was, it's odd. Gotcha. <laughs> Leave nice. that. All right, well, uh, Caitlin, uh First of all, I think that you crushed the Preakness. Is that correct? I think you had Ron Bauer on top. I did. Yep. That was one of the biggest scores I've had in horse racing today. And I really just started getting into contests and a lot of betting in the past couple of years. So that was super exciting. My boyfriend is really just starting to get into racing. And I think somebody probably called the cops on us. We were yelling and <laughs> jumping off the table and that was some of the first bets he's ever made, so he was really excited. He hit his first superfecta. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. And I, uh, a little, uh, again, folks, a little, a little bird told me that Caitlin really did crush the, the Preakness. She, she really did. And perhaps even more impressive, she's been on Rombauer for a long time. There's a lot of experts out there, uh, a lot of armchair quarterbacks who – talked this triple crown to death over the last few months, but Caitlin was on this horse for a long time and those guys weren't. So congrats to you, Caitlin. That was a hell of a call. Thank you. Glad it, glad it could pay off. Um, he, he's an awesome horse. I really liked him even before he ran the El Camino Real Derby. I picked him that day too. And I actually really liked him to almost beat our top two finishers in the bluegrass, but he, that just wasn't the right track for him. Um, no. He doesn't fit his running style, but I thought he ran a superb race. So he he's pretty good. I, I really like that horse. And would you have played it? Because I was hoping he'd get in the derby at about 40 to 1. I was wanting to give him 40 to 1. I don't know if he'd have won the derby with the pace scenario, but were you looking to play him on derby day had he made it in the field? Oh, yeah. There's always a horse that hits the board at a bomb number. And he was my horse for sure. I remember saying that on Twitter, and Alan and I were discussing it back and forth back in like, 
April were like, we are so putting this horse in our super in the Derby. So I was disappointed when he came out. But, I mean, I, I understood why they didn't run. It was probably a good call. Of course. And, you know, eventually it paid off. So you can take you know, the bird in the hand over two in the bush sometimes. So it was a, it was a great effort. And while I've got you here, uh, Caitlin, before we get started on all the racing and such, the last time you were on with us, uh, the guy I had on preceding us is a really good friend of mine named Chris Curran, who's a gigantic Reds fan. And I may have mentioned that to you the last time you were on with us. And when he listened to the podcast, he wanted to know who the girl was after him who was the giant Reds fan. And, of course, that was you. He was <laughs> uber impressed with your Reds knowledge. So I know he's going to be listening to this because he always does. He's a loyal listener. So in honor of him listening, and I'm curious, too, do you have a favorite current Red and perhaps an all-time favorite current Red? Oh, favorite current red would uh, Joey Votto has always been one of my all time favorites, but I feel like that's a generic answer because he's the most one of the greatest reds of all time. So I'll probably go with um, Castellanos because he's just so cool. He just gets it done. He's on an 18 game hitting hitting streak right now. And he's just he's awesome. He's a man of few words, goes out there, puts his nose to the grindstone, does his job. And I would say my all-time favorite is Pete Rose, simply because I spent some time with Pete, and he loves horse racing. He yes, loves, he does. He loves betting, he loves horse racing, and he loves women. What more can you want? I agree with you there. I'm surprised you went that old school, but that that's awesome. That's Do you have a favorite Red CC all-time? All-time? Uh, I mean, I liked uh, Eric Davis, Barry Larkin, those guys, uh, Tom Browning. Uh, Norm Charlton, all the all the guys that won the uh, the the ninety World Series. That was my favorite year. Unfortunately, that's been eighty five years ago. Yeah, I always like Mario Soto. <laughs> Go Kate, ahead, Caitlin. Did you pitch for the Reds the other night? I know the, they brought Alex Blandino in to, to 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 finish off a game. I thought maybe you pitched in that game too. You probably <laughs> saw my Twitter. I was yeah. throwing a fit. I'm I'm just so fit to be tied. I mean, just the management sucks. The coaching sucks. I'm just like, I'm so over it. They just, yeah. they just threw out the first pitch, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just, I'm not even watching this. <laughs> well, this goes all the way up to ownership, but yeah, that too. I, I, yeah, but that's that's for a different podcast, I guess. <laughs> all right, so so we're gonna we're gonna talk about, of course, the Belmont Stakes and some of the undercard races. And we're also going to hit up the late pick for Turtle Downs, which is a very, very interesting sequence, a very challenging sequence as well. Uh, this is probably one of my favorite days on the calendar. It's a good reason to get out of bed on Saturdays is uh, the, these great races at Belmont. It's going to be a challenging card all day long and, and just great horses race in and race out. But we're going to lead off with race seven, which is the Ogden Phipps. It's a great one half million dollars, mile and 16th at Belmont and of course this matches up probably the three of maybe the five or six best fillies or mares in training. I'm talking about Swiss Skydiver, Latruska, and She Dares the Devil. Uh, this kicks off like I said the early pick five and what a way to do so. We want to do point out that number two Valiance is a scratch. He's not going to participate or she is not going to participate in the race. Caitlin will let you kick it off. Uh, do you have any opinions on the Ogden Phipps? Really, the only opinion I have is I think that there's a chance that Latruska and She Dares the Devil could kind of get into a little bit of a 
case duel, I would hope that they wouldn't cook each other out too much. But I think that's definitely a um, kind of a worry, maybe, that they're both so forwardly placed that that could happen. And it would really set up for um, Swiss Skydiver. But I've just been so impressed with She Dares the Devil this year. I feel like she could sit pretty much anywhere. She could sit second off Latruska and come past her. Um, I just think she's taken a huge step forward as a four-year-old. So, but for me, this race is between her and Swiss Skydiver. I've heard Swiss Skydiver has been training, you know, better than she had. But, I mean, she's had a first and a third this year. So, it's not like she's, like, had a slouchy year or anything. But I'm just not sure she's the same horse. So, we'll really have to see, you know, will the real Swiss Skydiver please stand up? So, uh, I mean, I just don't know. I I think I want to go She Dares the Devil in this race. Yeah, I have a tendency to agree with everything she just said. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, Swiss Scott, we keep waiting for the Swiss Scott of last year to show back up. Maybe this is the time with the, the switch to Ortiz. But I, I honestly don't think she dares the devil gets enough credit. And and I'm guilty of it, too. Uh, we just saw a couple weeks ago she beat – we had Scott Leeds, the owner of Ambaton, on the other day. It took one hell of an effort to beat Ambaton that last time out. And it was she dared the devil that did it. So – I have a tendency at nothing against Latrusco. I think it's a dead game mare. I think it comes down to these. I give the slightest of nods that she dares the devil. But, I mean, I, I'm pulling to see a big effort from Swiss Skydiver. So, I have a tendency to agree with Caitlin here. Hey, any chance that Bonnie South picks him up late in, you know, in case there's a, a wicked speed duel? You've got Latrusco and, and she dares the devil. It could hook up early. Uh, you know, it might yeah. set it up for a closer. I, I wouldn't necessarily – leave out Bonnie South off my tickets. The second start is a four-year-old for probably the hottest barn in America. Agree with that. Yeah, and I heard the – I got a little another little bird. I got a little a lot of little birds flying around me today. <laughs> uh, a little bird told me Judmont really likes her in this spot. Really like – it's tall order to beat these mares, but uh, they say Judmont really likes, likes her here. So we'll see. All right. The problem with that is you, you're going to use four out of the five. Right. Exactly. Right. I'm just going to watch the race as a fan because I, I honestly can't decide. But, yeah, I get your point. Four out of the six. I mean, there's uh, you know, six fillies and mares in the race. So let's go on to race eight. It's the Longines. Just a game. Another great one. Half a million dollars. Fillies and mares. One mile on the turf. I believe this is the outer turf course. Yes, it is. The favorite is on the outside. Number 11, Blowout. Blowout, if you will remember, opened a big lead in the Churchill Downs Distaff Turf Mile on Derby Day and just held on to win by a half a length. That was her five-year-old debut. Flavian Pratt sticks for Chad Brown. Uh, Alan, do you have any opinion on the Just a Game? I think it's one of the better races on the day, one of the better races you're going to see uh, nationwide on the weekend. Uh, I I have to work on Saturday. I hope I'm home in time to see this one because I really actually do like this one. I am leaning, uh, quite frankly, to uh, a three-pack of horses here. Uh, kind of lame cop-out, but uh, I like Pocket Square, obviously. Pocket Square's race at Keeneland was everything that they uh, rumored to be, so you're interested to see how, on this step up in class how she performs. But I like the two foreign horses in here. I think the, this is not the most unbeatable domestic field we've seen, 
So the two horses Charles Appleby brings over almost feel like a one and one A to him. Uh, they've beat each other the last two times. One seems like once a little less distance, one a little more distance. I don't know who I'm leaning to, uh, but those horses are the Luis Saez and Mike Smith. That is Summer Romance with Luis Saez, the nine and eight. I believe you pronounce that Altica. Is that right, Caitlin? Do you know Altica? Altica. Altica, uh, I think. Altica. I'm torn as to which one I like the most. I probably would maybe side with Luis Saez because it's Luis Saez, but uh, I am leaning to those three, Pocket Square, Altica, and Summer Romance. And I don't know who I'm going to take uh, uh, as, uh, as a winner, but maybe you guys have an idea. Go ahead, Caitlin. I, I definitely like those three. Charlie Appleby doesn't bring horses up here unless he thinks that they've got a chance to – blow the doors off so he's bringing a one-two punch in here that i think is a very likely winning combination i do love pocket square i think she um could be a potential superstar um i'm gonna include two long shots in here that i could not believe their morning lines i'm gonna include daddy is a legend yeah all right 30 to one excuse me her (laughs) i mean i get it was an allowance but her comeback race this year was very very impressive and i know she loves keeneland but 30 to 1 and always shopping has done nothing wrong in like two years she's 12 to 1 with johnny velasquez so i'm like i have to take these ones at a price as well be a race where you could think of maybe like i know there's a lot of horses in here but i can see like six or seven of these horses winning zofell's no slouch um chad's got a couple other ones in here so this could be a potential all button race but I do think the Applebee runners um, could be overlooked when you think of some of the domestic horses in here, especially Pocket Square. Yeah, she makes a really good point about always shopping and Daddy's a legend. I mean, those those are two of the contrarian horses I don't want to have on my ticket, to be honest with you. I, I agree with her. Uh, probably need to point out uh, number two, Sweet By and By. I believe she tied up this morning, so she's going to skip the race. I uh, also need to point out number four, Regal Glory, scratched out of the Intercontinental Stakes today. And we want to give a shout out to Michelle Lovell. Hell yeah. Who went to Belmont today and won the Intercontinental Stakes with Change of Control. So uh, we're very happy for Michelle. Yeah, she took a bite out of the Big Apple today. That horse just uh, notched another graded stakes win out of state, going seven furlongs for us. So, I mean, just the sky's the limit now with this horse. So they got a, they yeah. opened up a lot of doors with this horse. So w- way to go, Michelle. Makes me wonder if maybe that horse could stretch out to a mile. Amen. I think think that's got to be the next step they look at. But we don't mean to get off base, but we want to give Michelle her due love. So way to go, Michelle. Okay. So, yeah, I I mean, I'm with you guys mainly. I mean, I think Pocket Square is the one that I like the most. Uh, Tad Brown kind of used this pathway to the Just a Game a few years ago with Antino. I think Antino won an allowance race in England before she won the uh, the Just a Game on Belmont Day. I think that was in 2017. But Pocket Squared won that uh, that allowance, that N2X allowance race, very, 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 very comfortably and very impressively. I think uh, I think she's the one to beat here. And, and I'm not as much – not as high on Summer Romance, the nine, for Godolphin, but I do like number eight, Althika. Yeah, I can watch the Cape Verde at Maidon two starts back, and she just unleashed a really powerful rally. And I think a mile is right up her alley. She came back and ran third behind Summer Romance going nine furlongs in the Balanchine. 
I think that might have dulled her late kick. Uh, returning to returning to, to flat mile is probably best for her. And, and she carried 129, 126, 124 in her last three starts. She drops down to 118. And like Caitlin said, Charlie Appleby is no stranger to winning races in America. I think he's won a couple of Breeders' Cup uh, races here. And, uh, yeah, I think Althika will be closing late. I kind of wish uh, the jockeys were switched. I'd like to see the side. Yes, right. exactly, uh, exactly. Maybe Mike Smith on Summer Romance. But, uh, hey, I got a, something real quick for uh, for Caitlin real quick, CC. Uh, I will readily acknowledge that my pedigree uh, knowledge is average at best. CC, but Caitlin, that's, that's your wheelhouse. I know. Yeah, that is. Is there any pedigrees in this race that really jumps out at you with, you know, some of these foreign runners or anything that, that really catches your eye? Yeah, actually there is. That was definitely something I wanted to bring up. I'm glad that you mentioned it. Um, Regal Glory, who stays in this race, her older, actually it's her younger brother, um, is by American Pharaoh. You'll probably recognize this horse, one of the most popular horses in Japan. It's Cafe Pharaoh, multiple great oh, yeah. over there. And then um, – on, let me find it. Summer Romance, who we were just talking about. One, her older sister, ever heard of Rosina? I have not. I don't know that one. Multiple no. classic winner over in Europe. So there are some great relations in this race. Summer Romance is bred very, very nicely. There's, other than obviously probably Galileo and maybe Frankel. There's no hotter turf sire than Kingman. I mean, he's still very, very young and just starting to do his thing. Um, only has probably four crops of racing age, and he is he's really, really good. And Blowout's damn beauty parlor was a multiple grade one winner herself. So lots of well-related fillies in this race. That's why we got you on here. You're the pedigree expert. I told you, I know, I know my limitations. <laughs> All right. No limits, Master Wayne. <laughs> I hear you. All right. Let's go to race nine. It's the Met Mile. $1 million, grade one. Of course, it's a flat mile. This race is basically known as the Stallion Maker. And this year probably is no different as there is a uh, one of the best horses in training. is set to go here. Next go, the six horse for Brad Cox. Written by Joel Rosario. Last seen finishing fourth in the Saudi Cup, going nine furlongs where he was beaten by Mishriff, Charlatan, Great Scott. Caitlin Sugar Free <laughs> is number six. Nick's go a single. I don't think so. I'm with you. I think there is too much other talent in this race. I think they have given Nick's go enough time since the Saudi Cup, but he may kind of, there may be a little bit of a bounce. He may need a race. I'm really interested in Mischievous Alex by my standards and Dr. Post. I know that's a lot of horses in here for such a small field. Mischievous Alex ran a 109 last out. I believe that's the highest buyer that has been given out this year. Um, you can't ignore that. You can't ignore that Dr. Post just ran a 104. And by my standards, was pulled out of the Steve Sexton mile because he was training so well to come to this race. So I just based off the next go situation with Saudi and the fact that he hasn't had a race since then. No, I, I don't think you can single him in this race. Um, Caitlin, when you become like, you know, the face of racing, will you still remember us? Will you still <laughs> acknowledge us? 
Okay. You got it. Very, very impressive. Uh, again, not to like a broken record, I have the same questions. So is real off three of the most impressive races I've seen in my lifetime, and I'm 51 years old. That Breeders' Cup mile was something that racehorses are just not supposed to do. 21 and 2, 44 and draw off. So does that Knicks go win this race? Sure. Uh, but he went to Saudi and, you know, we know how that stuff works sometimes. And, uh, I, I would have to take mischievous Alex in this spot only because that horse is in remarkable form. I think we, we know more of exa- what we're getting with that horse. There's not as much of a question mark as there might be with Nick's go. Uh, it's probably a dumb hypothesis on my part. It wouldn't be the first, won't be the last, but I'm leaning to admit, I think, Nick's go may clear off and mischievous Alex might get a good spot. I think the distance suits him. I'm willing to take a small stand against Nick's go, but uh, we probably know how that's going to work out. So, by the way, what do you think the odds will be? Uh, what do you think Nick's go goes in the gate at? Four to five. Yeah, yeah I think thinking. he's going to be under even money. Do you, yeah, I agree. And it's it's tempting to, 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 to try to beat him there, but uh, – I mean, I'm, I may be just throwing up a white flag there, but I think I'm going to go with Mischievous Alex. I think people are going to gravitate to all those ones. I mean, the people like like to see the ones in the in the past performances. Yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll bet this horse hard. I I'm, I think uh, some of the races I've seen him run are just dazzling. I mean, that, they're that, incredible. Like said, that dirt mile in the Pegasus War Cup, that, that's two of the finest races I've ever seen run lately. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a single for me. Nick's go is going to be my single. I think uh, if I played a small saver ticket, I wouldn't just stop in mis- Mischievous Alex. I'd also use Dr. Post, who's making his second right. start as a four-year-old. And uh, I'm a big fan of Silver State. I think he might be a little bit overmatched here, but uh, turning back to a mile, I think, you know, you know, on a small ticket, small saver ticket, I think he's worth using. All he right. Knows. Race 10 is the Manhattan, grade one, $750,000, mile and a quarter on the inner turf course. Uh, contentious race, number 10, Colonel Liam, 5-2 to two on the morning line for Todd Pletcher and Ryde Ortiz. Last seen dead heating with his uh, chief competitor domestic spending in the turf classic. Alan, I'll turn it over to you first. Who do you like in the Manhattan? This is one of the horses I like a little more on the day. There's there's a couple that I like the most. This is one of them. I like domestic spending here. I think domestic spending is every bit of a mile and a quarter horse, and I think that might be the key to this race. Uh, the horses that never run a bad race. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. I think coming off the layoff, people kind of overlooked him last time. I did. I, I'll acknowledge I did. But um, proved he can run with that Lasix last time. A mile and eighth, mile and three sixteenths has never been a, an issue for him. It seems like he's been crying for a mile and a quarter. I'm not sure Colonel Liam is as crazy about a mile and a quarter as I think this horse might be. Uh, I don't think overall it's the toughest Manhattan I've ever seen. So I'm okay making a, a, a single of domestic spending here. All right, Kayla. I think I would agree. Um, I got into some Twitter trouble the other day because I was talking Uh-oh. about how- I was not impressed in the slightest with the older turf males. And everybody's like, what? This is a great (laughs) crop of older turf males. This is a competitive crop of older turf males. Do you see a Wise Dan? Do you see a Bricks and Mortar? Do you see a DeLami? I don't know. No, you don't. You don't. Domestic spending, Gaffo and Colonel Liam are 
good horses are they great no they're not this is a competitive manhattan it's an enjoyable manhattan but there's nobody that blows my socks off in here um i do think domestic spending i think this race sets up for him um i was a little disappointed with gafo last out and i think his buyers just maybe aren't good enough to beat this group um Colonel Liam, like I, like you said, um, I don't, I'm not sure he wants to go th- that far. Um, there is a horse I am interested in here. Another one of Chad Brown's horses, Masterpiece. He is actually he ran at Keeneland and he did win an allowance. Be a good field, finished over top of Admiralty Pier and Bandua, who are pretty good mm-hmm. horses. Um, he's got the best buyer speed figures in this race. Really? Hmm. Yes. Yeah, that he does. Uh, that that work that win over uh, Admiralty Pier that was a more of a workman like effort, not a flashy win. Admiralty Pier did come back to run last in the Louisville handicap in his next yeah. start. But he, he is it was a mile and a half. It was a mile that was, and a half. That was at a mile and a half. And uh, Bandu, I think, was making his first start off a long layoff. But yeah, I've got masterpieces in A as well. Uh, but yeah. I, I, I don't know if I trust that buyer speed figure. He got a 103. I don't know if that's, I mean, that's strong. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, domestic spending would be my top pick. And the other A's would be Masterpiece, Gufo, and Colonel Liam. I I don't think, uh, I'm not as worried about the distance for Colonel Liam as you all might be. I mean, he, he ran he ran well in the, in the uh, mile and 316th Pegasus World Cup turf. He did win that race. Uh, so I don't know, but I, I like you, I'm, I'm on domestic spending. We've most. got a lot of weight on this horse's back now. It's unfortunate three people picking it. I, I don't think that Colonel Liam has a problem at mile and a quarter. I just think maybe domestic spending might be a little bit better at a mile and a quarter. And again, we're a big turf racer. So any pedigree notes for us, Caitlin? Not many that I really see in this race. Let me go back to, oh, Bye-bye, Melvin. He's a long shot. His damn Carlo Viveri. She was very, very nice back in her day. Outstanding um, master of foxhounds, damn. I believe she is... Hold on, let me look. Typing as we speak. That's probably a Coolmore mare. It is a Coolmore mare. She is a full sister to Breeders' Cup and multiple classic winner magician. Oh, really? So... Really nice, really nice pedigree there. And um, Masterpiece, he's bred basically like a European horse. I mean, Master Craftsman, of course, shuttles to Chile, but he, he's bred just for the the turf as anybody is. So really, really good pedigrees in here. I do love Gaffo's pedigree. I love Declaration of War. I think it was absolutely absurd that we sold him. So I'll, I'll always love Defoe because of that. And I think he's always got a chance just because that pedigree is so stellar. But that's, that's about it turf-wise. You know, you mentioned Master of Fox. And I'll be honest with you, I hadn't paid a lot of attention to, but you mentioned the pedigree. And uh, looking back in a little bit, he's been racing on California and some of those softer fields or whatever, in my opinion. But it, his longer races are the good ones. So maybe this horse is – just wait for the mile and a quarter trip. So that's that's a long shot to maybe keep a little bit of an eye on for the bottom of your exotics or so. So you got, you got me a little intrigued by that one. So super classy. Super classy. All right. All right. Let's talk about the feature race of the weekend. The American Classic, the Belmont Stakes, mile mile and a half on the dirt course, one point five million dollars for three year olds. They all carry one hundred twenty six pounds. Essential quality off a fourth place finish in the Kentucky Derby. 
is the two to one morning line favorite for Brad Cox, written by Luis Saez. Uh, Caitlin, why don't you take this one? Are we on Ron Bauer? Or are we getting off? As tough as it is for me, since we have been the conductors of the Ron Bauer train, I am definitely <laughs> getting off. Oh. Um, there is a reason that he skipped the Derby because it was a little bit too close to the bluegrass and they wanted to train up to the Preakness. Now tell me, is the Belmont close to the Preakness? I get that they want to want run because the horse looks like he could handle a mile and a half, but I think it's a very huge ask after the Preakness. I think it would be very, very tough. I, I think he's a fantastic horse, um, but he would be a different caliber if he won this race, and I certainly wouldn't be expecting it. I'm also not ruling it out. But I do think, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to pick him. Oh, I got the crying emoji going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> so who are you taking? I'm actually going to take a little bit of a price in here. I am going to take the six known agenda. His hmm. buyers don't really stack up that much. But I know Todd Fletcher has been really impressed with the way this one's training. I have been as well. And how many times has Pletcher ran a horse in the Derby, the horse lost the Derby, and they came back and done super well in the Belmont? I mean, yeah. this horse is bred all day to run. Mike Curlin, who, of course, was second in the Belmont, nearly won it. His dam, multiple grade one winner by Rama, bred to run on any surface and bred to run all day. I love this horse in this race. Okay. You're going to get six to one, I think, too. Uh, I would love that. I, I mean, it's. It, it, for me, it's between him and Essential Quality. Essential Quality is the same way. Brad Cox said, this is my Belmont horse when this horse was a two-year-old. he He's a tailor-made Belmont horse. He's a big gray by Tappet. Those always win the Belmont. So I, I think it's between these two. I want to, you know, consider Rock Your World a little bit. He, he ran a very poor race in the Derby, but he had some excuses. Um, I still think this is a really, really nice horse, and he's probably going to get a lone lead in here. I uh, just had a point I wanted to make to you that I kind of forgot real quick. <laughs> so, uh, don't know what it was. So, see, how about you? <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm on essential quality. I mean, that's that's an easy pick. It's, it's a chalky pick. But uh, we've talked about this before. When Brad Cox points for a race, I mean, he, he usually hits his mark. And this horse, uh, he said – as a two-year-old, this is my Belmont horse, and here we are. This this seems like the type of horse that just wants to go a mile and a half. He's a grinder, but he, he can show some speed and get up maybe maybe to stalk Rock Your World early. And I think if, if he can stay maybe one or two links back, he can grind that horse down at the wire. I think uh, a mile and a half is right up his wheelhouse. Tappet has already sired, what, two or three Belmont Stakes winners already. I know he, he sired Tonalist and uh, – Taprit, uh, right? Taprit, yeah. So, you know, the, the pedigree is not an issue at all. Uh, my goal is I'm going to try to try to get essential quality in the first or second slot in some type of trifecta, superfecta. Uh, I'm with Caitlin on Rombauer. I think there's a chance this horse bounces off the big effort in the preakness with the, uh, uh, the peak effort. I think uh, if he can stay together, he'll be a factor down the road, especially in the fall. I think he'll be one of the top horses, hopefully. Uh, Hot Rod Charlie is a horse that interests me. Uh, the only problem is he, he doesn't pass horses. So it wouldn't surprise me if Flavian Pratt maybe tries to put him in the uh, in in the second spot outside of Rock Your World. Maybe try to try to 
uh, play some games with uh, Central Quality, try to get ahead of him early. And, uh, you know, and, and you have to respect known agenda for uh, Todd Fletcher. Uh, Todd knows how to win this race. So, uh, yeah, well, Central Quality for me, unfortunately. Well, you know, a, a lot of people that I have heard, and I'm not a – I would like readily admit that I'm not as proficient on the horse – but France Goldina, they say, is going to the front. I, I don't know. Uh, the horse has no chance, in my opinion. But it could cause some problems up front. Uh, but although I still think Rock Your World will get a nice, galloping, easy, comfortable trip out. And I, and I think that obviously worries me with what Rock Your World is going to do. But I, I'm a sucker. I'm a creature of habit. I, I've got to stick with Bauer. And it's not because I've been on the horse for so long. It's... I, what I keep coming, I keep coming back to that Kentucky Derby. And as much as I love essential quality, as much as I love uh, Hot Rod Charlie, man, they didn't pass anybody. They didn't pass anybody down the lane. I know essential quality had issues. And it, when what that reminds me of is what I talk about all the time in, in long distance races on the dirt, in particular, especially with young horses. Lots of times they don't have a, pay, a passing gear. It, it's just they, they hang all the way down a stretch. That's what the Derby reminded me of. The thing with Ron Bauer that makes him a little bit different, he didn't do that. He he again, he wasn't facing the caliber of horses at the caliber of their peak condition. We, we certainly know uh, Medina Spirit wasn't, but he went by those horses pretty easily, making it look like he might be able to get the distance that he might have a Belmont style. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if it's going to work here, but I just I keep coming back to these horses didn't pass horses. None of them have been overly proficient at passing horses in their career, with the exception of essential quality. And that was at shorter distances. So I'm willing to take Ron Bauer one more time. I think he's going to get bet up because I think a lot of people have the same uh, issues with the horse that you guys do. So I, I would think four to one would be where my uh, watermark is, is what I would take him at. But I'm going to stick with him one more time while acknowledging that any of the other four can win. I don't care for the long shots in here. So we'll see. Uh, before we turn the page to Churchill, Caitlin, do you have any, uh, any specific memories or, or- Belmont Stakes memories that you want to share? I, I would say probably my, I've never been to the Belmont, but my favorite Belmont is obviously American Pharaohs because I never thought I would see a triple crown. Um, and that was one of the only times I've ever seen my dad cry. So Aww. that will always be a very special memory to me watching that with my family. That's fantastic. And but also I should add before we turn to Churchill, something we didn't mention at the top of the show. I know you probably want to touch on briefly, CC is the Baffert situation, Medina Spears, I just mentioned, I mean, he's banned from Churchill and do you guys have an opinion on that or before we get to Churchill? Well, I'm surprised that they did it without, I mean, the, the racing commission hasn't even disqualified the horse yet. Um, yeah. I think that, that I mean, I, I think that's just a matter of time whenever they have their meeting, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised by that, but uh you know, I'm glad they've finally taken some action. Now that there's a handful of other trainers they need to start taking action against as well. So, yeah. but uh, nobody cares about that, those situations. But uh, It doesn't seem like it. No. Caitlin, what do you think? I'm shocked. <laughs> I was shocked. I feel like that they've had that on deck just waiting to do it. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, too, it was too nice and gift-wrapped for that, them to just have whipped that out within an hour of – the sample coming back they've been waiting to do this you know nobody whether he's just running a sloppy barn or something's going on nobody should tarnish the kentucky derby like 
the way this has this year and get away with it. Yeah. Uh, you guys are right, though. The way it happened so quickly, like she said, it was on deck. I was at work. I saw the, about the split sample. I went back to work for two more hours, took a break, and saw these already banned. I was like, wow. I was like, my God. I, I didn't expect that that quickly. Not that I disagree with it. It, just, it, it happened fast. Do you think they know something that we don't? I think it's Maybe. possible. Yeah. Well, I, I, again, I don't want to harp on the thing I've talked about for weeks, but I, I watched the race with Crystal Ball. I know something was wrong there, so I, I don't right. know. You might yeah. be right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Well, we'll have to discuss this another time. I mean, this is probably going to last a, a year or two in court. I think the dancer's image forward pass court case lasted four years. Uh, Did it, it really? Yeah, I think it was overturned twice. Jesus. Uh, yeah. So yeah, this thing go a while. So don't hold your breath. Okay. Wow. All right, so let's turn to Churchill Downs on Saturday, uh, where I will be, hopefully, on an 11 race card, and I'll be celebrating the Belmont Stakes there up in the Gold Room. And we're going to talk about the late pick four, which starts in race eight. It's a seven furlong maiden special weight for Phillies and Mares, three and up. And as I try to pull up the right set of post or past performances i do believe the morning line favorite here is number six that's magic quest daughter of nyquist out of magical ride i think that makes this filly a half sister to ride on curlin who was second in the preakness in california chrome's year and was it 2014 or 15 or something like that 2014 i believe Uh, magic quest took a lot of money in her debut had the lead late and was run down by Safordata. Came back on Oaks Day at Churchill and uh, bounced, finished off the board at two to one. But she comes back here. Uh, who wants to go first? Alan, you want to go first here? Sure, sure. Because um, there's one I actually I'm very interested in this spot. Well, all right, I'm gonna tell you, you better pick the one that I'm. I'm thinking. I know about. I am. I know. I'm okay. gonna tell you right now, folks. We have not conferred on this. Okay. But I guarantee you we're going to pick the same horse because we were both at the track. That I've been the track. We were both at the track this this day when this horse ran, and I think we commented after the race. We watched the gallop out. We watched the finish, and we were like, uh, okay, all right, I'm going to peg him for next time or peg her for next time. And that horse, tell me if I'm wrong, Cece, is Little Town Sis. That is correct. Yeah, we were yeah. we were watching the race, and this horse comes flying up the rail, and I said to the guy next to me, Said, you've got to bet that horse back next time. And then the guy said to me, why are you at my table? <laughs> he said, I'm sorry, sir. This is a Wendy's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I said, I've moved to the next table. And that's where you you are. You, you got it. Uh, oh, yeah, go, ahead with, go ahead with number two, Little Town Sis. Yeah, if you go back and watch, because, you know, I thought the Rusty Arnold horse um, was going to be a heck of a horse. He bounced last time. I'm willing to give the horse another try in this field. But I, I've got to use a little pound sis. And that race, uh, which is the same race that the uh, Chastain, the one horse for Al Stahl, comes out of, little pound sis broke terribly. Uh, she was a good 12, 15 lengths behind the field. And it's one of those deals where the, the young horse, is you think it's a learning experience, but all of a sudden the light goes on in mid-race. And they hit the turn for home, and, and the light did go on. And this, this horse found her stride. And really surged late to just miss second in that race. Versus some, there are some decently bred horses in that race. So, her, and, but you could tell it was one hell of an education for the horse. Uh, 
So if you go back and watch the replay, you'll know what CeCe and I are talking about. And the horse rallied inside, too, which is always good to see with the young horse. So uh, I'll, I'll go with Littletown Sister. I'll acknowledge that Rusty's got the one to beat, and I'd hate to leave that one off my ticket, but I'm, I'm okay taking Littletown Sisters here. Okay, Kayla. This was a really tough race for me. Um, I definitely agree with the one you guys talked about. It would be between her, the favorite, and then the three front street for me. Front street mm-hmm. just kind of seems like a little bit of a hanger, unfortunately. But, I mean, she's got to break the maiden sometime. She has great buyer speed figures. She's bred beautifully by Street Sense out of a daughter of a shadow by Bernardini. And we all know how much we love Bernardini mares. So, yeah. I just – she got beat a couple times back by Carmel Swirl, who's turned out to be a really, really nice filly. She's been beat by a travel column. She's been beat by obligatory – so these are all really, really nice fillies that she's been facing. So, I mean, the class is there. Um, she is a bit of a hanger, though. I'm thinking, you know, she'll eventually get it done. She's she's stepped. Nope, she's running the same distance. I thought she was maybe stepping up a little bit in distance. But um, I, I just see a little bit of something there with her. We'll, we'll see what happens. This, the buyers keep getting better and better and better. So she's progressing. But will she win? She's had a lot of seconds. So I'm just not sure, but I, I do like her. Uh, let me let me ask you something, Caitlin. Do you get to Churchill very often? I know you live a little bit far away from the rest of us, but do you get do you get there very often? Yeah, I get there a couple times a year. Okay, cool. You, have you been there this meet yet? I have not been there this meet yet. I would love to go um, soon. That's uh, when does the meet end? Oh, I always get confused. Is it June 26th? Is That's it the day. Yeah, isn't it that day or, the, or that weekend? Uh, probably, but there's night racing in the, on the 12th. That that's night racing is fantastic. Uh, I highly oh. recommend you do that. Yeah. So I'm just curious, just wondering how often you get down there from up your way. So I need to, I need to try to make it down before this meet's over. I haven't been yet this meet. I I was at Keeneland several times this past meet, so I definitely need to. What are what are the COVID rules with Churchill? Is it none? All right, that, that works for me. I might have to, might have to go. There's, there's no masks. There's no masks, and everybody seems to have a good time and stuff. So, uh, uh, it, there's been no issues. So, uh, yeah, it's it's it's. I gotta be honest with you, they do it right there. So, hope to okay. see you there. Yeah. All right. Maybe maybe I'll try to bring Kyle or something for Stephen Foster. We've we're actually looking to do something for that weekend. We've been trying to make plans. So. Okay. That's a good time. There you go. That's a great time to do it. All right, CC, let's see what else we got here. Well, yeah, getting back to the uh, to the to the race. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to probably spread out here. I'm going to use Little Town Sis. Uh, number four, Liberty Isle, was rolling late in her debut at Keeneland, and I think she had a little gate trouble last time, so I think she deserves another look for Dallas. Number six, Magic Quest. Uh, probably may have regressed in that last start. It's been about two months since her debut. I think she gets back to that effort. Uh, I think for me, it's those three and maybe in a dream for uh, Nacho Kreis, uh, daughter of Quality Road, making her second start. I think she might improve a little bit, but uh, for me, it'll be uh, that quartet. Uh, another one, I, well, you mentioned Alan Chastain on the rail, daughter of Frosted. This filly was bet down to three of one. And didn't fire. She finished fourth. Uh, that's another one maybe worth worth a look in start number two. 
Maybe I didn't like the way she stopped in the last furlong. I know it was the first start, and they're going seven furlongs. It's Al Stall. The horse may run off the screen, but I didn't like the way she quit in the last race. I will add one thing. I love the name Thanos Zapper on the bottom because I'm a Marvel guy. I like the Marvel movies and the Avengers. So you got a, a Ghost Zapper horse. They named the horse Thanos Zapper. If you know anything about the Marvel movies, that that's fantastic. But once again, I digress. What's your What is your favorite movie in the uh, MCU? Oh, that's a great question. That's a whole podcast right there. I, I was never a comic book guy. I didn't know anything about the Marvel movies until they came out. I didn't know what the hell they were doing. But uh, I, I like Guardians of the Galaxy. Give me those two. Give me a little bit of Ant-Man, some Doctor Strange. I'm happy. Oh, do you ever watch them, Caitlin? I have not. Oh, well, there's there's something you can do, Stephen Foster Weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but they're good. They're very well done and stuff. But, you know, do you have a favorite, CC? Uh, what was the, uh, not in game, but the... Or was it Endgame, the first of the the, the sequel? You know, I'm heard uh, of the, uh, yeah. the last two movies. I can't. Infinity. I, no, Infinity I, I, the, the first part. Infinity of War. Yeah, I caught myself off guard there asking that question. So. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, that's all right. Yeah, let's move on. Race nine, mile sixteenth allowance. A other than for three year old fillies, mile sixteenth on the turf. And the favorite on the outside, number nine, for Al Stahl Jr., Social Dilemma, daughter of Medallia Doro, narrowly denied on April 27th, going a mile at Churchill. Caitlin, we'll start with you. Who do you like in race nine? I'm kind of going to pivot a little bit and maybe use the two office party. I like her pedigree, um, and I like that even though she finished sixth last, last out, she had a little bit of trouble, um, and she ran second, or ran actually sixth, to two really good fillies in Gam's Mission and Flown. So I might give her a little bit of a look here. Um, she's also ran against Arm Candy and was beat by her. Um, I think I might use her in here. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Is it my turn, sir? Go ahead. And then I'm going to give uh, out the winner. You can give out the winner, man. That is so nice because I'm hoping I am, but I'm probably giving out the seventh place finisher. Uh, no, it, it, this one's easy for me. Uh, again, if I win, I lose. It's one thing. If I like, if there's a horse that I'm willing to take a stand with, I'm okay with that. Give me Tabor Hall. I know the horse is going to the turf for the first time, but uh, so that's a question mark. But this horse has run two giant seconds in uh the, her last three starts and well i take it back her maiden breaker at gulfstream she beat caramel swirl that day who was a heavy heavy favorite bow wow girl was a very highly touted dale roman's horse beat that horse on the square as well too caramel swirl swirl come back to win by about a million lengths of keeneland uh tabor hall's got some got some class to her rant took took on the honeybee tried to set the pace and honeybee didn't work out behind will's secret comes back on Derby Day against a horse I love. You know, I love Illigami and thought she ran her tail off. The question is, if they go to the turf, they go on the turf, will she handle the turf? It doesn't exactly seem like she's bred for the turf. Caitlin, am I wrong about that? That does not screen turf pedigree. Am I wrong? No, definitely. I think it does. You think it does? Okay. Well, that makes me feel much better. So give me Tabor Hall. Then I don't think you're getting anywhere close to the eight to one. This is the fastest horse in the race if she takes the turf. So uh, how about you, sir? So I've got a stable male horse here, number eight. Yeah, number eight, Go Take Go for Roger Atfield. Uh, This filly 
took four starts to break her maiden. She finally broke her maiden at Woodbine. Uh, last two starts, she's lagged near the back of the pack. What I went back and watched that last race. Uh, Corey Landry rode her, and he, he just anchored her at the back of the pack. She was a mile back early on in, the, in that same race that Caitlin was talking about versus Gam's mission in Flown. And Corey did not ask her for anything until the top of the stretch. And when, when he did finally ask her, the, the filly just took off. And she was rolling through traffic and, and then finally just kind of got stymied a little bit late. Uh, and she galloped out well. I think uh, she might be setting on a big effort third off the layoff. So I will definitely single her in oh. the pick four. I like her that much. Her, her speed figures aren't that good versus some of these. But uh, I think she's uh, ready for a, a big improvement. So number eight, Go Take Go, is my best bet of the day at Churchill oh, Downs on Bold Saturday. call. Yeah. So we got three different opinions in a race, and none of us took the favorites. So we'll see what happens. But he's, he's calling best bet, calling his shot. I, I like it. I like it. I like it. Okay. Race 10, starter allowance, six furlongs on the dirt, three and up. Who have started for a claiming tag of fifty thousand or less? Yada yada yada. The favorite in a <laughs> wide open race, number four, Kadri. Uh, Alan, why don't you go first? Who do you like in uh, race ten? I think it's a good race. Some of these start, these high end start allowance races are pretty good races, uh, especially at Churchill. Um, you got to again, you got to take a stance in these races. A lot of times they're wide open. Give me, there's two that, that, that draw my uh, draw my attention. I like Air Show a little bit for Tom Amos. I don't like because in Star Allowance races, these horses have won several have won multiple times. I usually don't take like taking a one-time winner. This horse has just broken his maiden, but it might be a sneaky good claim by Amos because the horse was uh, fairly competitive and a uh, straight maiden maiden special weights at Oakland, doing fairly well. Drops into 50, got beat by Ram, who came back to win on Derby Day, and out of that race, uh, Tom Amos went there and got him. I guess knowing he'd be eligible for starter allowance. Took him up to Indiana to protect him. It made him special weight company. I think that's why he went to Indiana, won easily. And now the horse is eligible for starter allowance, right? So I think there's enough back class there. They get this horse off Catalano in the West, who, who brought him along. Uh, I think the horse is well spotted here. So I'm looking at Airshow, despite the fact he has just the one win. At number 10, Airshow at 6 to 1 in the morning line. And then also, you know, I, I can't help but like on your mark for the Foley's. Uh, this is a horse I've had some success on. There's a couple of bad running lines in the last three, but those are because I think the horse went to the front. I don't think the horse likes to do that. It might be a little bit over his head, but at six or seven to one, I'm willing to take that risk. He gets reunited with James Graham. I think James Graham knows how to ride this horse. And uh, if, if I had just two on a ticket and it was air show and on your mark, I'd be happy. And, and that's with, in a race with Wesley Hawley and Mike Tomlinson, who, who I love. But uh, give me those two, air show and on your mark. So I like number five, Chotsky. Uh, that's, that is a mild selection. I'm not crazy about him. I know this horse is a good-looking son of a gun. I saw pictures of him on Facebook, believe it or not, where uh, from Wesley Hawley's page. But this horse is a good-looking son of Frosted. And he, he had a wide trip behind a really nice winner named Wayakin, who came back to run second in Lounge Race last Saturday. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think if he can maybe save some ground this time, he's got a shot here. But I think this race is wide open, so I, you, you, I'm gonna cast a wide net. In my pick four. I don't blame you a bit. I don't blame you a bit. 
And what we got? We got just the one race left, right? One one race left. Uh, Caitlin had to had to cut out on us, but it's just going to be you and me to finish it up. And the race is the Mighty Bow. Uh, five furlongs on the turf, three and up for for the males. And another wide open race. The favorite is on the far outside, number ten, totally boss, three to one for Rusty Arnold and Brian Hernandez Jr. Who do you like? to close out the card well i guess one of the reasons i know caitlin had a, a prior engagement she has another podcast she's a very popular uh, guest so ostensibly she left for that but she probably honestly left i uh, had to go because she knew why stay she knew who i was going to pick in this race right everybody knows who i'm going to pick uh, you know who i'm going to pick right so i mean what was the point it's just might i'm not going to pick against just might uh you know one of these days it'll pay off for me but give me just might <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, the only problem is that this horse has kind of been off form his last two. I agree. So, you know, is is and, and there is some other speed outside of him with Johnny Unleashed and High Crime. The only, you know, I'm worried about maybe a meltdown. And Totally Boss is the classiest horse in the race, I would believe. And off of a layoff, and yes, yeah, so there's someone, there's a couple other in there that I like, but I mean, you know, why just why put off the obvious? You know, it's that's what I'm going to take. Uh, Horse, horse has to work on a trip. I acknowledge that, but maybe it's Michelle's week after today. The other one I would maybe consider is Classy John, but and of course Totally Boss. But give me Just Might, and I'll roll with the punches. Yeah, Classy John has really made a form reversal after getting on the turf. Uh, I mean, he was really, really running poorly, and then Dallas puts him on the turf, and now he's a, he's a new horse where he just uh, ran well versus uh, Louisiana Bridge down at the fairgrounds, then, then he runs him in the uh, turf sprint, and he, he grabs third. So maybe a horse on the improve that you might need to consider. Uh, totally boss for me. I think that horse, uh, if uh, he's fit and ready, I think he's going to be uh, hard to deal with. Down yes, but, but fair enough. I'll be rooting for just Mike. As we and all will. He'll, he'll definitely be on my ticket. Yes. All right. So there we go. Four races, five races at Belmont, four races at Churchill Downs. Hopefully we had some winners in there. I'm sure we, we've got some at Belmont. Uh, the Churchill card could be, could go anywhere. It could be, it could be cut any one of different, several different ways. Which is why we wanted to, uh, we wanted to talk on the Churchill because I actually, everybody, you know, this is a Kentucky podcast. So we, we acknowledge at Belmont, it's a big day, but that racing at Churchill is pretty interesting to me. I wish I could be there, but, you know, they got to pay. I got to pay for this house somehow, so I have to work. But I wish CC all the best. Hopefully, Caitlin will uh, catch a bunch of – have a big day like she did on uh, Preakness Day, too. So, All right. Well, that's all I've got to say for this week. Hope everybody enjoys the Belmont Stakes. Hope, I, hope everybody picks a winner or catches some type of ticket along the way. And uh, we'll uh, we'll end it here. Uh, on behalf of Alan Schneider, I'm CC Broadus, reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home. Good night. <laughs>